Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. In serving Jesus Christ, in giving yourself to the work of the kingdom or in a church, it's possible to do it for the wrong motivations, and as a result, to be filling your life with what the Bible tells us is wood, hay, and stubble that will burn away. It has no lasting reward. It isn't that God isn't using you and your work to change lives or even to bless others. It's just that you're not going to be able to offer that effort up to God as an expression of praise. And, well, what a loss for you as a follower of the Lord Jesus. So, do the work of service for Christ, but for Christ's sake, do the work. So the man has a wrong motivation. And maybe he's got the right message, and people are responding to it. Can I tell you that that happens? But can I also tell you, it's wood, hay, and stubble for him. It's going to burn away. There's going to be no reward in it. What reward he'll get is... The reward of men. It's not an expression of faith. Jesus has said, I don't know how you can believe and seek honor one from another. The person who is motivated by seeking honor and recognition from others in their ministry is not carrying out a ministry of faith. There may be truth in what he says that God will use to lead men to Christ and to trust and believe in him because God hits, we've said it before, straight licks with crooked sticks. God will use anybody. God can speak to Balaam through a donkey. He can speak through a man like that. But there's no reward in it. There's no blessing in it. It's the wrong motivation. Oftentimes, though, subtly it creeps into our lives. Another motivation that was offered a lot when I was coming into ministry was the idea that the way to motivate a person and the way a person needs to be motivated is they need to find some compelling vision of what they're going to accomplish. They need to have a picture of what it is they're going to do for their life and they need to visualize it. And once they have that vision, it will carry them through. And if a person is not accomplishing great things for the kingdom in their life, it's because they just don't have a a big enough vision. They're not big enough dreamers. I remember a man quoting this quote to me. He was giving it as an explanation for the success that he was having in his ministry. And he was also commending to me that I somehow identify the same kind of vision. And that was going to lead me through. It was a quote from T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. And T.E. Lawrence said that all men dream, but not equally. For those who dream in the dusty recesses of their minds awake to find that it's only vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men that they may, with eyes wide open, seek to make it possible. Here's what it means. You know what? I'm successful because I dreamt in the day. I dreamt with my eyes wide open. I had my eye on the prize and I pursued it. And and you're not successful because you were just dreaming in your sleep. And you just had a lazy, hazy vision of it. And the secret to success is you've just got to have a vision that you pursue and you go for it and you'll be successful. And so, in a sense, the idol that you were pursuing was success, which goes back to the motivation we just talked about prior to this. The person who's successful is the guy who had the right vision and you just don't have a compelling vision. That's what you need to have to motivate you. And See, the problem with that is that sometimes you can have the right vision and yet the world and the flesh and the devil conspire in such a way that you don't accomplish the thing that you dream or a vision. You're pursuing it for the right reasons in the right way, but you live in a day and age in which God just isn't going to grant 
a blessing or a great return in that moment on what you're doing. And if you don't believe me, just look to the prophets. Look to Jeremiah. Tremendous visions of what God wanted to do and would do for the people of Israel. Filled his mouth with solicitations for the people to come because there was such a blessing that God wanted to pour out upon them. And at the same time, horrific visions of what that would happen if they didn't respond and they rejected the message. Very compelling. And yet, Jeremiah was rejected at every corner and every turn. And every time he spoke, he was rejected all the way down into where he was stoned to death by the people of the Jews as they were fleeing God's will and they had left Israel to go into Egypt. Never responded to him. Never received his message. Ah, you know, Jeremiah, he just was a person who was dreaming in the dusty recesses of his mind. He just didn't have a compelling vision. No. He just wasn't a dreamer of the day. No. God's sovereign all these things. The problem with this idea that you just need a compelling vision, if you do, you're going to be successful and great, and it's the right motivation to carry you through, is you end up living for your own vision and your own idea and you end up developing a formula that's based upon not being faithful but being successful. No, we're to be faithful to something. We're not called by God to be successful in every way. We're called by God to be as stewards faithful to Him. So here are some other motivations that you might have and they're good motivations but they're a little better than the ones I've just mentioned but they have their weakness. You can be motivated by duty. Jesus said that we are to have the attitude that we're only unprofitable servants doing our duty. And that oftentimes will hold you up. If you're looking for some kind of commendation, some kind of word of praise, some recognition, you remember, wait a second, I'm just Christ's slave and I'm just doing his duty. And so for duty's sake, you can just keep going through and, and ah, that's, a, that's a good motivation. But sometimes it's going to be hard to sustain because that can lead you into a rhythm, into a rut of drudgery where you're just plotting out your duty and it's not enough. You can also be motivated by compassion. You can look to the needs of people and your heart can be opened up with great compassion for them. And we'll talk about this and finding a proper motivation, but all by itself, compassion is not an enduring motivation. It's all right. The Bible says that our Lord Jesus looked upon the multitudes that were pursuing him and seeking to be near him and we're actually on one occasion running around the Sea of Galilee to try to get to a location that the Lord Jesus was taking his disciples to so that they could be alone and rest for a while. But the multitude wanted to be near Jesus so much they literally followed the boat around the shore to get to the other side before him. And when they were approaching the shore and the crowds were gathering, the Bible says Jesus looked upon them with compassion for he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and Compassion is the right thing, and particularly compassion that is generated in your heart by the Holy Spirit is a good and right thing. But oftentimes, compassion can merely be the development of your own sense of empathy for the pain and sorrow of others. And your motivation to alleviate their sorrow or their pain is simply a motivation to alleviate your own empathy, the pain of your own empathy. It's to feel better. You see a person that's suffering, and you think, you know, if I can just do a little something for them, I'll feel better about their suffering. And it's really about you feeling better than about their need. That's what can happen oftentimes with compassion. Actually, it shortchanges people as well, because then you just do enough to make yourself feel better. Oh, look at that poor guy in the street. He's living and he's homeless. And here's a dollar, buddy. 
I feel better about myself. He's got a dollar in his pocket. Well, in this case, the guy's probably got a lot of dollars in his pocket because he's feeding off the compassion of other people to feel good about themselves. It doesn't really even help him. He goes out and buys booze with it or something like that. It doesn't help him. Just trying to alleviate your pain in empathetic pain for the misery and sorrows of others produces a compassion that ultimately doesn't help others and it doesn't produce anything good in your life. It has to be a compassion generated, a deep compassion generated by the broken heart of God for the sin of people. Generated by the sense and realization that that sin is going to drive them to a Christless eternity. And a longing for them after God's own heart to be reconciled to Him. It has to be produced by the Holy Spirit. Compassion alone won't carry you. Not only that, compassion alone can also generate within you a motivation that is quite humanistic. Humanism says, we'll talk about this again in the future, but humanism says that the chief end of all being is the happiness of men. I just do everything I do so people can be happy. It's actually the picture of a codependent mother whose house is in total ruin, but she just wants people to be happy for the 30 minutes around her table while she feeds them. And so she's just pursuing happiness, but she's not pursuing wholeness. The chief end of all being is the happiness of men. So we say that everything that we do and everything that we reason and everything we put before men, we have to frame it in such a way that we show people this is going to make you happy. Now you want to believe this, you want to do this because this will make you happy and this will make you fulfilled. And now we say Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross so you could be happy. And Jesus sought to bring you salvation so you could be happy. And it's all about your happiness. And that's humanism. Christianity has a totally different perspective on it. God's teaching says the chief end of all being is the glory of God. It's the exaltation of God. It's not living to exalt man. It's living to exalt God because God knows when man is exalted, man pursues and descends into a hell. And when God is exalted, man is raised into a heaven in which they live in the presence of the smiling, delighting face of God. Chief end of all being is the glory of God. And so if you're just motivated by compassion, oftentimes what happens is that motivation turns you towards men and people and it actually begins to turn itself towards satisfying yourself and your own pain or satisfying them and their own pain and you live for the happiness of men instead of for the glory of God. You actually become someone who goes out there who tries to improve on what God is doing. God, it just isn't fair that these people are experiencing these things and I want to make life a little better for them. And it's humanism. And it's not, it's not a motivation that will turn what you do into gold, silver, and precious stone. It will leave it as wood, hay, and stubble and it will be burned up. Well, we've come to the end and it's pursuing the right motivation. The right motivation for your life. Let's go back to the example. Looking unto Jesus, the captain and the perfecter, or the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, despised this cross, endured the shame. Right? There was a motivation he had that carried him all the way through the agonies of the cross. Something unimaginable. Something you can't imagine. A motivation that carried him all the way through. It's the motivation that we need to find as well.
and we shall, if God is faithful to us. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. The first task before us then, Lord, at the end of our time this morning, is to begin to kind of pull away all of those lesser motivations in our life that are about us and about others, but they're not about you. And also to confess those points of motivation in which we are simply pursuing some coveted standing or position that others might we perceive have and we want for ourselves. God, purify our motivations so that in all that we do, you might be well pleased. And so that in all that we do, you might be exalted and glorified. And so that every eye will turn away from us entirely to you. Help us, dear God, to be motivated in such a way that we can say in every circumstance and situation, and even when it seems to be proving true, what John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. Help, dear God, our commitment to this motivation to hold us up when we feel as though we're being held in some cell and not released to the things that you've given us a passion and a heart to do. We're being restrained in the gate and others seem to be racing and we, be, we seem to be idling, but we know it's you. You're sovereign over all things. Help us to trust you, believe in you, rest in you. Say, only God, you be glorified. Only God, you be honored. Only God, you be delighted and find joy in our lives. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. For a copy of this message, just contact us at 208-331-4096 or go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.